0: Yards that is a duel from Chile. Tim Cahill has done it again. What a goal by Tim Cahill. Uh, yeah. Five goals to Archie. Bring
1: that particular head up from Melbourne. And the league champion, John Lewis, O'Neill. On, On half time. The World Games with Carlos Alberto Diego from 4 For auction your
0: car, car auction this Saturday. Yeah, try and satisfy Carlos if you dare for 4 at 4diegos on Twitter, and of course, 11 o'clock Wednesday nights, 11 p.m. until midnight. The Diego's get the band back together on the air, SEN airwaves. Carlos, good afternoon. How
1: are the half? And uh, welcome, uh, Melbourne, to the home of world football here at Federation Square. <laughs> I'm claiming it. Are you? I'm going to claim this. Claim it? I'm happy to run with that. And that mob there on the on the stage, yes. belting out... Something pretty hard at the moment. They'll be doing some Elvis Presley, a little less conversation, a little more conversation very soon. I've
0: just been told by the R&D department <laughs> that uh, they are the Kingswood. A Kingswood, the Kingswood are Kingswoods they? or the Kingswood or something? So they are a, a literal pub band. They may literally be a pub band. I don't know. That's but why I'm a bit drawn
1: out. to them because I played. In the pub leagues. Right. Pub band. Yes, of course.
0: You know you're a big band when the lead singer is wearing the tambourine on his elbow. You know you're a hardcore rock band when you're wearing the tambourine on your elbow. Yep. Bit happening here, Carlos. Bit happening in the world game too, just quietly.
1: Fantastic. Should we go the the, the world record? No, it's not the world record penalty shootout.
0: Well, what is the world? Just by the by, what Uh, is the world record penalty shootout? Good question.
1: Can our R&D department get onto that? The world record penalty shootout, it's got to be close to what happened with Liverpool and Middlesbrough in the... In the latest round of the uh, Copperdale Kissing Your Sister in, uh, <laughs> in the UK. <laughs> at Is that what it's called these days? Well, the Copperdale Kissing Your yeah. Sister? And by the way, here's another question for our listeners out there. Will the FFA Cup ever become a Kissing Your Sister Cup? Oh, Ooh, not Don't right now. It's really very meaningful now. It means something right now. fresh colours. Don't but the Capital that. One Cup over in England, I claimed that a long time ago. I, uh, you know, I retitled that the Kissing Your Sister Cup because it really doesn't mean much. But when you get a penalty shootout between Liverpool and Middlesbrough last night. Two all after, you know, full-time. They yep. went to penalties. You know, usually knock them off in three or four penalties, five yeah. penalties max. Yeah. You know, the clinical nature of, a, of the EPL club compared to a championship club. they got Stevie Gerrard on their side. It went 14-13. That's
0: a very dramatic penalty
1: shootout, Carlos. 27 of the 30 shots were scored. Right. <laughs>
0: So I was going to ask you how did the system work? <laughs> yeah. Was it was it miss and miss or was it goal all the way through?
1: No, it just went. Apparently they went through both teams and uh, it must have been
0: a miss and miss somewhere.
1: Yeah, no, there were three misses. Back to back miss it, and miss. Yeah, yeah, it must have been. It must have been. I didn't actually watch the game, but uh, well, you couldn't watch the whole penalty shootout. You'd still be yeah still be awake. Yeah, no, but how clinical was that? 27 of the 30 was scored. Anyway, it's Liverpool. Yeah, it's pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, oh, yeah. You you'd sort of. You know, because people like to be creative after all. You don't want to hit the same corners all the time. No, that's and, uh, right. geez, you have to be pretty uh, pretty innovative to come up with the different angles and dif- you know, send the keeper a different way because the keeper's are always looking for different patterns about where you're going to shoot and who's oh. going which way and they're trying to read it. And how bad did the keepers go last night, too, by the Couldn't way? Couldn't get near
0: it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Could not get near it. So. so how does it work in the line-up, Because normally you go in with a line-up for your penalties, don't you? Yeah. I, I, so some you just go through some, the
1: squad again? Well, sometimes with with uh, sudden-death games like this, what they do when there's penalties up, it might be a World Cup qualifier, it might be, uh, you know, in the World Cup itself. Uh, as part of the preparation beforehand, the teams, uh, you know, the, the coach actually picks the players beforehand who might be taking them, but... A lot of them actually wait to the end, too, because they don't know who's going to be injured, who's been subbed, and uh, who's feeling confident at the end. Sometimes the most like unlikely guy is the guy who puts his hand up and says, give me the ball, I'll take it, and he slots it away. So, uh, yeah, it depends on how, how the, the philosophy of the coaches. Some coaches don't even care about them. They just don't, you know, there's no point practising them beforehand. There's no point talking about them beforehand because if you start thinking about that, they say you're thinking about uh, the wrong uh, focus. You, know, you have the wrong focus on the game rather than just winning it in, in normal time or extra time.
0: But you know you're going to be needed at some stage, so just practising that skill, maybe not at the start of training or middle of training, but extra sessions you should be practising a few of those things. Cole, yeah, look like
1: you know forward of centre. Well, you know, I tell you what, we should have asked Muskie a couple of weeks ago when he when he was in the studio oh, what his guru. philosophy was. He never missed. You know, Muskie never missed. Actually, missed one, I think, uh, in, the a final, in a grand final. In the grand final, too.
0: Didn't he hit the sidebar?
1: Uh, I can't remember, I'm not, not sure whether uh, Sydney had, uh, had, you know, Sid- the goalkeeper for Sydney had actually saved it. It might have been Clint Bolton, I'm not sure, but uh, it was in the grand final that that, that was missed. But uh, but we should have asked him, because he was the absolute specialist. You know, I still remember back in, I think, 2001, I could be wrong about the year, but 2001 when he took one against Uruguay at the MCG, packed house, all the pressure in the world, and he slotted it away with aplomb. And uh, we got hammered over in Montevideo, 3-0. But uh, but that moment there was one of the great moments. Unfortunately, people don't celebrate it as much because uh, we've lost that tie in, in pretty disappointing right. fashion. But uh, he was one of the greats, uh, Kevin Musket.
0: No doubt about that. Just got the R&D department just uh, in my ears back down the line at SCN Towers. They've got a number for us. Yeah. <laughs> According to the Guinness Book of Records, the longest penalty shootout was in the final of the 2005 Namib- Namibian Cup. <laughs> of course, one of, the, one of the all-time classic cups. Yeah. At uh, 48 penalty kicks. Yeah. KK Palace holding their nerve. <laughs> yeah. To defeat the Civics 17-16. Following yeah. the two-all draw in normal, extra in normal time. number of players on each side had to take three penalties throughout that shootout. <laughs> and it lasted almost as long as the game. And that was backed up in 2008, only three years later, in the Greek Cup final, oh uh, Yes, yes. Uh, the significant cup, yep. that one is the yep. Greek Cup. Also had a 48 penalty kick penalty shootout. Olympiakos beat AEK Athens 23-22. <laughs> well, look, you know, I don't want to,
1: you know, offend anyone out there, but uh, they're two games that uh, I think uh, would have to investigate uh, the uh, whether the Singapore match agents put that those oh, together. Oh, check the betting sheets. Yeah, no, actually, the Olympiakos game would be a fairer one, but the the African Namibian. Uh, game about the yeah I'm not sure about that one but the Cup. Uh, yeah I, I checked the betting uh, patterns in the lead up and, and during and after that <laughs> game so
0: ah uh, very good well that was the uh, update who else played in the Capital One Cup the Cup ideal kissing your sister
1: yes uh, actually um, Arsenal dinkum, uh, you know if you're an Arsenal fan out there, how are you feeling at the moment? I mean, you had a good win on the weekend. I mean, three goals in three minutes, uh, uh, you know, uh, in in the EPL. And then, uh, you know, you're back up again at home at the Emirates and lose 2-1 to Southampton in the uh, in, in the Capital One Cup. Now, you know, given that Arsenal are no certainties of winning anything this year again and that they did, uh, you know, celebrate pretty strong winning a cup last year, uh, you'd think that they would have uh, gone pretty hard to... to Get through the next round, but they've got beaten away from uh, sorry at home to to Southampton. The other reasonable results: um, Stoke beat Sunderland away from uh, uh, Sunderland away from home 2-1. Everton lost 3-0 to Swansea. Fulham, who have had a heap of problems, they sacked their coach Felix Felix McGath um, in the Championship. They've won 2-1 against Doncaster. But some decent games tomorrow. They've got Chelsea versus Bolton. We've got uh, Manchester City versus Sheffield Wednesday. Tottenham versus Nottingham Forest. Crystal Palace versus Newcastle. And uh, what well, I'm really interested in is West Brom versus Hull, because uh, since the last international, Jason Davidson hasn't been playing for West Brom. He's not even in the squad, so... Been burned, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure whether... Country before club, they weren't happy. Yeah, I'm not sure. No, I mean, everyone, everyone, it was an uh, international off. weekend, yeah. so it was no problem. And sure. they played in London, so <laughs> he wasn't sort of travelling too far. I know that he didn't have a pre-season, and, uh, and maybe the body's seizing up a bit, because they actually, if you remember, he was man of the match in the League Cup and he scored yep. that penalty uh, a couple of weeks ago. But since then, uh, he's played for Australia but hasn't played for West Brom, so maybe they're trying to get the body right first. But it's interesting to see. I like to keep an eye on that one because he's a young guy who's got a, got himself a fairly big contract at the moment, and uh, I just want to see how he's going. He's our very own too.
0: Halftime's very own, Jason Davidson, no doubt. Just being told from the uh, SMS that Banford and Sterling missed in the first five in the Pens this morning in that game between Liverpool and Middlesbrough. And then they went uh, toe-to-toe up until whatever it was. Yeah. Penalty number 30. (laughs) You know the game finished at 10.42pm. Starting at?
1: The game finished, that game, finished at 10.42pm. I think it started about
0: 7.30. Not in the morning, at (laughs) night, so. That's a good one. That is a good one. All right, more Cup talk after the break. The FFA Cup we'll turn our attention to last night, um, the second round. ...of the stage, or round 16, second stage of round 16 action was held. Bit of an upset, bit of drama, and it means we've got our quarterfinals. We'll talk about that and a whole lot more with Carlos Alberto Diego from Fed Square. 22 past one on a Wednesday afternoon. Happy hump day to you. You're over it. Downward Run to the big sporting weekend AFL Grand Final. It's going to be massive Sydney and Hawthorne live on Melbourne's home of footy 11:16. SEM. We're in the middle of the world game, though, We're talking that with Carlos Alberto Diego... Don't forget the 4 Diego's tonight from 11pm until midnight every Wednesday night on SEN. You can hear Ted Bullpit and the Kingswoods um, <laughs> on stage here at Fed Square where we are broadcasting live from this afternoon and all week long. Not sure what Ted's up to, but he's having a good time and there's people bopping along. So good luck to Ted and the team there at the Bullpits. All right, Carlos... The FFA Cup, we were talking before the break about the uh, Copper Duck kissing your sister, Capital One. Yes. The FFA Cup Mm. last night, uh, more drama. It just continues to give us drama. I love this concept.
1: Yeah, no, it is fantastic. Uh, You're living on the edge all the time. Yeah, it's true, and we're always hoping for, you know, one of the minnows to do something to the so-called big boys. We love a minnow. Yeah, and uh, and the minnow in uh, Sydney United 58... They are a team that were very, very big in the old NSL. They won championships. They had something like 48 Socceroos have come from that club. Is that right? 48 Socceroos. Wow. So, I mean, that's fantastic, isn't it? That's an uh, unbelievable yeah, number. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know how many Socceroos are coming out of the Sydney FC, but, uh, but know, of course, but Sydney FC hasn't been going since 1958. 48. But 48 Socceroos. It's been over the, over the decades. Yeah. So that it's a club with the plenty good of pedigree, fantastic players, and they gave a, a pretty good shot. At it last night, even though I felt the Sydney FC were always in control of that game, but one kid for Sydney FC really lit the night up with a couple of cracking goals. Chris Normoff, Normoff. Uh, He's a he's a kid that was starting to break into the senior side last year, but uh, a couple from downtown. One on the angle from downtown, which is sort of a half volley from a from almost the edge of the box. Uh, unbelievable goals, and uh, and he's a kid who. You know, the Junos are describing him as unheralded. Unheralded. I'm thinking he's precocious.
0: We've you been know, all
1: over him. Yeah, precocious talent, but they're calling him unheralded. So I'm, maybe, I'm kind of hoping he's uh, he's got those in the locker a lot more because if he has, he'll accelerate up onto the uh, onto the fringes of the Socceroo side up coming up to the 2018 World Cup because those two goals he scored last night were absolute quality. So. When uh, Sydney get all their teams back, all their all their players back, and uh, and they're all uh, ready to play, it'll be interesting to see whether there's room for him in that squad. But uh, he was fantastic last night.
0: Oh, I do like his work, and it was nice to see Sydney FC. Uh, well, that's would they have? Would it have been embarrassing for them to have lost that game to oh, yeah. the, the soccer group producing Sydney United. In yeah, 58? well, I mean,
1: yeah. The status right now is Sydney FC uh, are calling themselves the biggest club in Australia, and right. they always have, even if they've done poorly. Uh, and Sydney United are a team that plays in the, in the you know, Premier League in uh, in Sydney. So there there is a huge divide between the two teams by way of resources. But the history is on United's side. Yeah. Uh, the, the all the resources, all the exposure in the media is on Sydney FC's side. So. Um, yeah look it would have been a it would have been a shock but no no different from say Adelaide City beating West Sydney Wanderers a couple of weeks ago and then Sydney West Sydney Wanderers are on the verge of uh, making the semi-finals or oh, sorry the final of the Asian Cup after getting beaten by a Thomas Love goal uh, there at uh, Adelaide City so you know that's what these games bring about the the one off the sudden death anything can happen uh, and uh, don't don't we want to see one of those lengthy penalty shootouts in one of these games? Well, uh, it would be excellent. Yeah, with the underdogs getting up, would be fantastic.
0: Now, our St Albans Saints uh, hosted Perth Glory at Night Stadium uh, yep. last night. Well, it didn't quite go to plan, Carlos. No, put, it didn't. Put uh, up a fight, but Perth Glory were uh, too good in the end. Yeah, from all
1: reports, Perth were probably the better side throughout, but uh, the game itself was actually quite tight for most of it. Um, when uh, St. Albans scored in the 68th, I minute, mean, I think it was 2-1 at that time, then Perth really went up a gear and they scored two two later goals. Is so, that what
0: we're seeing, that the professional teams hitting their straps and been able to hold on for longer due to their fitness and their conditioning later in the games? Uh,
1: look, I think quality too, and I think, you know, what I liked about uh, all the uh, A-League clubs in their approach is they've actually re- approached it quite respectfully. They haven't, uh, even when they're beating sides, they haven't gone out to try and humiliate teams or anything like that. They've, uh, they've, It might be part of their pre-season plan to make sure that they rotate their players or whatever, but each side have shown the opposition, I think, especially the, uh, the more heralded um, A-League sides, have shown the opposition a lot more respect, and I think I saw that a fair bit across the uh, competition so far. St Albans were very good in parts, but uh, really the difference between these sides is uh, not only the the fitness levels, um, but I think also the ability to finish your chances. You know, the the ratio of uh, chances are made to chances converted, the A-League sides will be much better because they've got the better players to do that.
0: So Perth, too good there for St Albans. So well done to them to get this far. 4-1 in the round of 16. They go through to the quarterfinals. Uh, our boys, the South Springy oh, boys, poor, came poor up against the Palm Beach Sharks. Now, you never want to take on a shark in your home territory. <laughs> it's just
1: dangerous from the start, Carlos. They parked the South, uh, South Springvale Greyhound bus. The whole time, <laughs> uh, and it took Palm Beach t- to the 83rd minute. The super sub, Jack Boxell. Yeah, he's probably a plumber or electrician or something. Uh, yeah, out of work, he's a student or something, right? And he's come on, he scored a cracker. Returned, uh, you know, uh, you know, South Springvale couldn't defend the way they did the whole game. And uh, that, why that did one, they choose to do that? What's that, sorry? Why did they park the bus? Oh, they probably felt that they, well, sometimes you don't have a choice. You know, you get pressed back, you don't have possession. I didn't see the actual game, but it looked like uh, Palm Beach were probably the better side. Uh, and ability to keep the ball and, and go at uh, uh, Springvale. And they and they had probably uh, the more of the possession. Not as many chances at goal, but, uh, but South Springvale was a matter of survival for them. And they nearly did. In the 83rd minute, they uh, conceded and that was it for them. They'll never come back. Apparently, they're going to set themselves up in uh, on the Gold Coast now.
0: So, the South yeah, Springy, boys. Yeah,
1: they're applying for the uh, Gold Coast League now.
0: So, <laughs> yeah. South Springy on the coast, uh, living it up. Good on them. Well done to them and their chase for the FFA Cup for 2014 wasn't to be. Adelaide United and Brisbane Raw was the A League matchup last night. Carlos, of course, Brisbane Raw defending. A-League champions Adelaide uh, United—they've had a pretty mm. good couple of years. Two-two-nil to the home team there, Adelaide
1: yeah. United. Pretty clinical in the end. Uh, we, it was, by the way, Fox. You know, we—I had a crack at them a couple of weeks ago uh, when uh, they weren't. You know, televising all the rounds of this thing, but they did a great job again last night. When they do it, I they do it really well. It now, no, no, they Danny do. Dash. They do it. They do it really, really well. And uh, they had the main game, which was the uh, the Sydney Derby. But uh, then they crossed over with Michael pony to the other games, and uh, so we were getting some uh, some nice little reports there throughout the whole uh, you know uh, event. And uh, Adelaide. United seemed like from the from the crosses and what Zappers was telling us that uh, we're doing it quite easily. Hay scored and Ethereo scored in the in the 35th and 47th minute, 47th minute and uh, Brisbane didn't seem to really trouble them so much. They were the stronger side and uh, I just wonder with a couple of weeks out whether people who are Brisbane Raw fans are a bit worried after losing Barisha and uh, there's always been a bit of you know turnover of players and getting new players in and, and trying to fit them into what you want them to do i just wonder whether they're going to have a bit of a harder season this year, Brisbane Raw.
0: Well, that's a bit of a pre-season prediction from Carlos. We've still got time on halftime to do that in the next couple of weeks for the A-League. A bit of feedback off the SMS regards to the South Springy boys. Had three players missing due to not being able to get time off work, yeah. <laughs> including ex heidelberg and Oakley star Billy Damianos. Oh, OK, Billy,
1: yeah. Billy, good player, Billy, 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 getting on right now. I remember Billy was... Uh, was playing. Actually, he was a young man when uh, oh he had a little bit to do with Carlton Soccer Club back in the in the 90s, and uh, I know there was a bit of a drama of uh, Carlton trying to sign him from South Melbourne, and there was a lot of drama in the end. They ripped up the contract. He stayed where he was, but he was only an 18, 19-year-old. We talk about precocious talents. Billy Damianos, oh, great player, and he? uh, he's got to be getting on now, though, if he was uh, 18 at... Uh, do your maths, half. Huh? 18 in 1997, 96,
0: 97. He's about... There uh, you go, 17 years on. So
1: he's 35, 36,
0: 35, 35, 36, 36 yeah. Well, Billy, uh, he was crucial, a crucial out for <laughs> South springing last night, which means our quarter-finalist uh, in a couple of weeks' time, October 14, when the quarter-finals of the FFA Cup will be played, Good to have Ted Bullpitch just give us a couple of minutes. Um, <laughs> Bentley Greens take on Adelaide City, our very own half-time's zone Bentley Greens.
1: Absolutely, and uh, that's a, that's a, that's at home too, huh? It is a home fixture. Get behind it there. Uh, it's it uh, Kingston Heath. Uh, there'll be a lot of there will be a gale. TBC
0: on the FFA website. TBC. Uh,
1: oh, okay. But don't tell me they're going to move it to a you know uh, a decent ground with decent surface. Don't no, do don't that. Don't give me that. We'll Go and play at Kingston Heath where there's a gale and you don't know what you're going to get. You know, the lights go out. Sand and,
0: belt on yeah. the Heath. That'd be a beautiful deck. be a beautiful pitch, Oh, it? I actually,
1: I haven't been there for a while, but when be I used to kick pitch, around surely. there from back, uh, back in the 90s, when I used to kick around there, it wasn't always the greatest pitch, uh, and the lights weren't always fantastic, but uh, you use those things to your advantage, half. That's Absolutely. what I reckon. But they've got Adelaide City, who have been pretty good in this competition, but at the end, it's a one-off against a really solid and strong Bentley Greens who've got their wins away from home against really tough comp- uh, opposition. Uh, Johnny Anastasiadis, a uh, legend. Yeah, legend yes. of uh, South Melbourne and uh, and uh, f- uh, Victorian football um, is actually the coach of Bentley Green. So I'm, I'm tipping that Bentley could go to the last four. And uh, geez, that'd be fantastic because they'll definitely play one of the big teams. If it's uh, the last four, and uh, and uh, well, unless it, unless they play Palm Beach, uh, they've, geez, they've got to play Palm Beach. They're all the way to the final, I reckon.
0: Don't uh, don't you hate it when they play the music and they've still got three more games to go in the quarterfinals? <laughs> Palm Beach Sharks take on Central Coast. That's one of the other quarterfinals. The Perth Glory will host the Melbourne Victory in their quarterfinal, and all A-League encounter. As is the other one, Sydney FC hosting Adelaide United. That's is in uh, a couple of weeks' time, October 14 for the next round of the FFA Cup. Carlos Alberto Diego is with us. That music says, I've got to get to a break. We are live from Fed Square. We'll come back after this. I want to talk to you about the World Cup 2022 in Qatar. I want to touch on that, Carlos. And also hear from our City and Victory fans Mm. about how they think their teams are shaping ahead of the 2014-15 Sunday A League season. Lots to talk about with Carlos. Back shortly. 21 to two on half time. Uh, thanks for your company out there in Sen Land. We are live from Fed Square, the Toyota AFL live site. Come along and say good day, like a couple of our Bulldogs fans did just then. Carlos yes. Alberto Diego is with us uh, talking the world Game. You, of course you're a Bulldogs uh, of man course. too. And
1: they came over to have a chat to me about. They remembered when I played in the little leagues for the, for the doggies back in 74, I couldn't believe that, yeah. considering
0: uh, one of them was 15 and one was 10. Yeah, exactly. I couldn't believe that they <laughs> well, were Well, it's been passed on
1: stuff. from generation to generation. The video's been handed down.
0: <laughs> the 8mm film has been handed down, Carlos, through it's the true. generations of that family. <laughs> you must have been excited, just off side topic a little bit, uh, about the doggies' win on Sunday in the VFR. Oh,
1: fantastic. Uh, you know, Yeah, look, you know, people who have criticised in the past, it's it's okay for a team to have a bad century, okay? <laughs> <laughs> it's okay to have a bad century. Now we've ju- we're we just going to pick up. We're going to try and go back to back somehow, and uh, maybe win a few more games. In now, in 23, I 24, know. 14.
0: You've three you You Brisbane Lions, the VFL, I know, I
1: know. Slash VFA. Oh, I tell you what, they they made it difficult for us too. You know, Box Hill Hawks, four Mate, interchange it gone. Come they, they had those
0: subs and in the end. Uh, you we, know, they anyway. handed it over in the end. Why why make <laughs> no, it? Really
1: why good. why put on the champagne performance when you don't have to? That's the motto.
0: Under-promise, over-deliver, Carlos. Exactly right. That's last motto. <laughs> uh, just a bit of feedback, too, regards to the uh, pitch at Bentley Greens. Synthetic now, all synthetic. Oh, really? Okay. They, they've got um, New Millennium style out there. Okay, yeah. All synthetic, they're telling us. There's so. a lot of uh, really elite... Uh,
1: like, I, I know a lot of elite pl- uh, players in, in the A-League and so forth hate the synthetic and the artificial surfaces because, you know, when you start tr- uh, swapping from the grass to the artificial surfaces, apparently just in that slight change can actually affect your running style, you know uh, promote injuries and stuff like that. So there's a lot of uh, elite footballers who just don't like the artificial surface.
0: A lot of park footballers who love it because at least you get <laughs> coverage there's <laughs> no beer right. patches when you fall over and That's scrape right. your knee. That's right. That's yes. right. Yes. Alright Carlos, let's talk about the World Cup. But, uh, yesterday or well, the last couple of days we've heard from uh, one of the members of the committee, the uh, voting committee saying that 2022 won't be happening in Qatar. Yeah. What can you tell us? You've been all over this from the start. This is Theo
1: Zigger. Yeah, my man. Yeah, used to, be, used to be used to be a power broker with the German Federation, and that's you know, that's fairly, yeah? fairly high up. Yeah, that's fairly high up. But uh, you know, I was going to ask you, half, do you care really? I mean, when he, when someone comes out. By the way, since then they've come out and said, "Tony's his, his opinion." Uh, the Qatar local organising committee have come out and said, you know, we've got it. There's no way they're going to take it off us. People from FIFA are saying that was Theo's personal opinion, not the f- opinion of FIFA. So we're playing this game all the g- all we're around. Playing. So I'm trying to look at the subtext behind it. You know, why, why bring this up? Why is it another conversation when these Exco members really condemned us to this, you know, back in 2010, yep. uh, you know, why are they bringing it all up? And I just, you know, I don't know, I've just been around the game for too long and, and read too many things that have been turned on their heads all the time. I reckon Sepp Blatter's got something to do with this. What do you mean? You know, there's an election coming up, Half.
0: There's yeah. an election coming oh, up what, in 2015
1: for, for Presidency of FIFA. Uh, when, this year? 2015. Right. And uh, he's already declared that he wants to go another term. He is a, he's brilliant at working the room, and you know the, the figurative room I'm talking about is the world. She's a big room. Yeah, there's 208 federations, and you know through his through each of his terms, every one of those federations hate him at some stage. But when it counts. When he's got to be voted in again or go for another election, he pulls the rabbit out of the hat. He uh, He's either got big money through a gold project. It's called a gold project where he gives money to a lot of the uh, Minnow-type federations. And, yeah. you know, when you're giving them a couple of million to invest in their game, you know, they'll love the guy who's doing it. doesn't matter what he's done before. He's also just more recently, in the last six to 12 months, has come out and basically said that the, the, Qatar, the awarding of Qatar the World Cup in 2022 was a mistake. Now, I reckon from that moment he was positioning himself for something. Suddenly this guy Theo, Swain Zigger, out of the blue has come out and said, uh, you know, it's not going to be there. And, you know, even though everyone sort of turned around and said, well, it doesn't matter what Theo says, it's still going to be there. The fact that it's out in, in the... In, in the in the media, it's out in the world. There's discussions about it. Mm. Suddenly, makes Sep look good amongst those people who felt it was always corrupt, or always the wrong decision. So, uh, he, he but not
0: those same people always think that he was a part of that corruption. Or yeah, but he, he but he's uh, he's
1: been very cl- clever in that. Uh, He's always stepped away from that. Uh, He's been stronger more recently with uh, saying it shouldn't have been there. But in the first couple of years afterwards, he was saying it was sour grapes by everyone that was, you know, uh, I'm not sure whether it's been public that that he didn't vote for Qatar. Um, I'm sure he would have leaked that out at some stage too. So uh, I just reckon it's just all part of the lead up to this election. It's a, a bit of a game that Sepp's playing. He, uh, you know, may have got a couple of uh, the co members that are on side with him, maybe coming out and strategically leaking this stuff. As far as I'm concerned, it's always going to, it's going to stay at Qatar. It's just going to stay there. There's no oh. way they're going to rip it apart from there. And uh, and that's where, you know, for me, I don't care about this conversation, but I, I thought it was worth having a chat about where this could have all come. And my speculation is that Sepp might my, my benefit from this uh, leading up to an election. himself, yes, think?
0: I think. Are so. there any legitimate challenges to Sepp's position there at FIFA? Uh, there's a guy called Jerome
1: Champagne.
0: Fantastic. Oh, great, we'll pop that
1: cork, won't we? <laughs> that's right. Hey. Yeah, uh, yeah, look, I suppose you're have a few jokes about Champagne and Spumante and stuff like that, you know, the quality <laughs> of uh, administrator this guy is. But uh, uh, I think he was quite uh, he, he was quite high up in UEFA, and he's uh, really okay. well known. Uh, but look, you know, these guys are just absolute novices compared to Sip Blatter. When it comes to elections... Uh, he knows exactly what he's got to do. Anyone who's ever challenged him has always uh, almost left the game completely afterwards because they've been so damaged. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see. You know, we keep on hearing about all the all the negativity towards FIFA, but yep. it's it tends to be the British press, the Australian press, and the uh, American press press that are actually saying all that. If you go around uh, around the other parts of the world, there's not a lot of Uh, of the press, there's not a lot of the member federations who are coming out publicly and and really criticising SEP Blatter. In fact, they had the uh, big FIFA jamboree uh, uh, during the Brazil uh, World Cup or just before it. And uh, from all reports, everyone in that room, most people in that room were just clamouring for SEP to... Uh, put himself up again for election. Right. So, you know, we're hearing one thing because our media is telling this yeah. and we're probably getting the real story. Uh, but overseas, they just—they know which way to go. They know... Which sides know, the bread, Bread's yeah, buttered. Absolutely. You know, we, you know, who they've got to support if they want to get some benefit out of this.
0: 14 to 2, Carlos Alberto Diego is with us for dot diegoscom at for diegos on Twitter, and, of course, 11 o'clock tonight, every Wednesday night, the 40 diegos back together on Melbourne's Homer Sport until midnight. Make sure you tune in this afternoon or this evening. 14 to 2. After the break, Victory Fans City fans, how are you tracking? The A-League season not too far away. I'd love to get your calls. 9429, 1116. 10 to 2. Live from Fed Square. Ooh, a bit overcast now, Carlos. I reckon that the rains are here. Might be, uh, might be too far away at Fed Square.
1: But I'm not uh, a weatherman uh, half. Well, you've I, seen the blue yeah. sky.
0: It's now grey. Surely yeah, that
1: it, gives you an indication, Carlos. No, it is Melbourne, half. <laughs> there you come. It's like you've never lived here before.
0: <laughs> no, that's a very good point you raise. <laughs> that is a very, very good point you raise. Brendan Goddard on stage at the moment, just entertaining the kids. Might try and track BJ down if we can through the afternoon. Victory and City. Carlos, they're yeah. the two teams in town when it comes to the A-League for, for soccer. Um, Victor, our oh, City today I think went through 8,000 members yeah. just crashed through the 8,000 member mm. barrier they'd be very excited about that what sort of numbers should they be getting considering yeah. the, in, the investment they've made in um, this new ownership the investment they've made in this this team in this city with the calibre of players they're bringing even just for the yep. short the guest period being the David Villa situation what sort of numbers should they be expecting
1: and given that I, I would think with the investment and the professionalism of a, of a Manchester City and also the, the ownership, uh, you know, also owns uh, New York FC. Yep. Which, by the way, they bought that license for 100 million US. Yeah, which is sort of uh, cheaper, makes cheaper the yeah. League, yeah, it? Well, I think the 11 or 12 I think million Australian that they bought the Melbourne mil. City for, but uh, uh, they would have it would be a great place to work right now if you're in, if you're a coach or a player or an administrator or marketing media, you're at uh, Melbourne City, it'd be a great place to work. But I think it wouldn't be any shortage of pressure with the KPIs that would be put on you. So good question about the 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 membership and the and the average crowds. I would think if they're not getting 12 to 15s. Uh, there'd be probably questions asked. I'm not saying anyone would lose their job or anything, but, the, but the, there'd be questions asked. So 12 to 15s, then uh, people would be standing up and, uh, and taking notice. Uh, and the reason why I'm saying 12 to 15, when their averages were maybe between 7 and 8 next last year yep. or in, in the pre in the preseason seasons is, you know, you've got David Villa coming. And uh, by the way, when is he coming? You know, we're only a couple of weeks away and he's not here yet. So I, <laughs> I had a chat to... Uh, Julius Ross there, at the media guy at uh, at Melbourne City the other day, and he wouldn't give me nothing. He gave me nothing. No, they're tight-lipped. Yeah, he, he did confirm he's coming, but he didn't tell me when. So when. And I thought to myself, geez, you know, every day the guy's here, it would be enormous by way of marketing and media. I think the club would be really be wanting him to come as soon as possible, but obviously uh, that's not how it works. So uh, I'm looking forward to the day he comes. I'm hoping he doesn't come a, a week beforehand, because I don't care how good a player you are to, to suddenly you know, become a part of a cohesive unit and uh, and not miss a beat, you need to be playing and training with your players. So, uh, and it doesn't matter, like we saw David Villa at close uh, proximity in the World Cup. What a great player. He scored against Australia. A fantastic player in that game against Australia. So, it, no doubt about his quality, world-class, but, jeez, can, can you throw him into a side that has not played with him before? He's only here for 10 weeks. Yep. That's the other thing. So, anyway. Well, uh, it's fraught
0: with danger, that, isn't it? We've seen that in the past. That yeah. You can't just rock up on the no. eve of the season expect to be able to perform.
1: Uh, we saw it with Harry Kuehl and uh, with Melbourne Victory. We saw it uh, with Del Piero. Even though Del Piero did perform in, as an individual very well, yep. uh, the side didn't win. And that's what it's all about the side winning and, and, and also your marquee playing really well. So that was what Kevin Musker was talking to us about a couple of weeks ago. Right. So uh, a bit worried that he's not coming, uh, he's not here yet, but uh, but that's okay. Uh, but then you've got Melbourne Victory who have just had a, oh, I think if you spoke to Kevin Musker, he would have as, as perfect a pre season. Uh, playing uh, some of the suburban teams and playing some of the, uh, uh, the A-League sides. I think they've got Sydney FC this week in Tasmania. So they've got a really perfect uh, schedule of games. Uh, they've got the full list to choose from at the moment. I don't think anyone's uh, carrying any injuries that have been made public anyway. Mm. And some of the guys have picked up with Barisha, Valeri. Uh, last week, uh, Fayeid ben Carl, Falah. Uh, Half-time zone? Yes, uh, half-time zone. I think uh, we'll have to claim him. But Tunisian international. uh, But he's been in and around uh, the top leagues in France for a long, long time. He's a 31-year-old, so he's a good age. This guy, for more reports, is a great player too. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing him play.
0: Haven't been able to find how many members the Victory have got at the moment. Uh, I think it's on the homepage. It's uh, up near the the 19,000 mark. 8,005 for Melbourne City, according yeah. to the numbers I've seen. Uh, just might have missed that number on the GoMBFC page. Carlos couldn't yeah.
1: find it. Yeah, it's 19,000 or uh, 19,000.
0: So, yeah. so it's not too far away. The A-League season, we're looking forward to all of that action coming on. We'll take a break, Carlos, back shortly. Carlos, we're coming up to 2 o'clock, which means uh, I get to say goodbye to you. Just a tip from you for the weekend, if you don't mind.
1: A uh, tip for me, uh, the... Oh, the... Oh, oh, swans. right out. And the website? Uh, website, get on there, and you can win a book. Just subscribe, 4diegos.com, to our newsletter.
0: Pretty straightforward. And 19,136, the Melbourne Victory Membership. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Robson. <laughs>